Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, amen. We got out of chapter 11, got in chapter, wasn't that a beautiful song, amen? Matter of fact, I've had that song on my heart for about three weeks. I said, I wish somebody would sing it, and God answered the prayer, amen? And I want to tell you something, have you ever been, uh, you ever flown, and, you, and it's a very cloudy day and stormy day, and when that plane soars through all that storm, uh, there's sunshine, and it's beautiful uh, on the other side of the storm, Amen. So God sees the other side of the storm, and we ought to see the other side of the storm. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, beautiful psalm. And as far as the Faith um, Bible Institute, it comes highly recommended by Brother Kevin Hall and Brother Jeremy Hall and Brother uh, Mark Coffey. And they use that in South Africa very effectively to train uh, preachers. So uh, you might just want to uh, get in on that. And uh, you say, well, I'm afraid God will call me to preach if I get in that. That'd be good, amen, if you're a man. And, uh, you know, if you, uh, we're all called to be witnesses, and we're all called to be knowledgeable and grounded and settled in the Word of God. Say amen. Uh, thank the Lord for uh, this Bible Institute, and it's, it's, it's a great teacher um, by way of video. And it's a commitment, though, and you need to be faithful. And so I hope you'll uh, be a part of it starting in January. But we've got to rest your early, early. We missed, we missed this quarter, so um, thank God uh, brother, uh, brother Blaine got in on, I think, Brother Mark's Bible Institute. But we're going to see if we can get 10 if you're interested. All right, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I believe with all my heart that um, Paul was not a sports fan, but he realized that all of this world was sports crazy. And they even had uh, gladiator meetings, and they had, I mean, uh, uh, arenas where Christians were uh, persecuted and uh, sport, there was bloody sports. But also there was some, uh, there was probably a team representing every village and a team representing every uh, uh, community, and they were sent out. Uh, and that's the way it is in most third world countries. They have, everybody has a soccer team, and they're sent out. So they were just... They were just really knowledgeable about sports. So he uses a sports illustration in verses 1 through 3. I'll never forget when I was in the seventh grade, uh, I got the most athletic award. I got a little medallion. And I was so, I was so excited about that because uh, my best friend, Billy Collins, was a great athlete. And it must have been the coach liked me more and he liked him because he was a state champion in uh, cross country and track and uh, basketball and everything else when we got to high school, but this was elementary school. But I'll never forget, I looked at my medallion, I was so proud of it when I got home, and I compared it to all the others, you know, the science award and the biology award and the, you know, I got most athletic. And I looked at that little medallion and it was, it was headless. There was no head on it. It was just a body. And I thought, by word, they think I ain't got no brains, which I didn't, amen? <laughs> And uh, everybody else had a head on their, you know, their little statue that they wore around there. But I had a headless medallion. Now, somebody broke in the house about three years ago and stole that. And I hope they, I hope they enjoy it. And I hope uh, they get caught because they stole my headless medallion. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of athletes in high school. And if you're not careful, it can become a god. And the people that... Uh, uh, play it can become gods, and they think they can run the country or change the country with their little influence. But I want to tell you something. We need more preachers. We, know, we need more Bible students. We need more deacons. We need more teachers. 
We need, we need more men of God and ladies of God that'll run the race. The spiritual race is more important than any kind of physical race. So let's stand on the Word of God, verses 1 through 3, and I'm excited about the message God's laid on my heart. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. A lot of preachers have misunderstood, misinterpreted that. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin, the sin, which so does easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your mind. I want to tell you what fainting in your mind means. Discouraged, depressed, and quitting. And so this, this message will help you win the battle against discouragement. So I want you to listen very closely. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, the great song. Lord, you do see the other side, and you want us to see the other side. And God, we needed that, we needed that message in this uh, time that we're living right now, especially. And so, Lord, thank you for just the privilege of singing songs to you and meeting in your name. Thank you, God, for health and strength to be here. We don't take that for granted. With a lot of people getting sick around us. But Lord, we just thank you, dear God, for the privilege of worshiping you one more time on this side of the rapture. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help us to run the race, to be diligent, to be faithful, and not to be sidelined by discouragement. We're going to praise you and thank you for what you do in and through this message, all for your glory that we run, that we're faithful, that we fight, that we're faithful, God, in spiritual things, all for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, nowhere in the Bible does it promise that the Christian life will be easy. Matter of fact, John 16, says, in this world you shall have tribulation. I mean, he's been through some tribulation. But it says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, I feel so sorry for people that are lost going through this pandemic. Number one, they might die and go to hell and that would be the tragedy of all tragedies. I'll be preaching on that tonight. But I want to tell you something, friend. They have no encourager. They have no peace. They have no uh, prospect of the future. And they can't see the other side of the storm. And they're just swamped by depression. And most of them are just on the sidelines. And I want to tell you something. The Christian life is not a sprint. It's not a 100-yard dash. It is a marathon. I'll never forget that same fellow that was so athletic taught me into going out and running track with him. He ran the one mile. So I said, I said, well, praise God, I'll run it with him. And I never did run it with him. Matter of fact, uh, uh, then he said, let's go, let's, let's run the two mile in track. I said, okay, I'll run the two mile. I never, I never ran. The time I got to the finish line, he'd already showered, dressed, and was on a date. Amen. I mean, you know, I was way behind him uh, in running. But I want to tell you something, friend. It takes discipline to run a marathon. I don't know how many miles that is, but I, I get tired driving 26 miles. Amen. I mean, I have to take a break. But I want to tell you this, friend. The Christian life is a marathon. We are to be faithful in season, out of season, when the weather's good, when the weather's bad. And I'm going to tell you something. It's easy to get discouraged in the race 
of life. It's easy to start looking around, isn't it? It's easy to look back. It's easy to start uh, listening to all the newscasts. That will depress you. Say amen right there. Good gracious. It's easy to look to politicians for your hope. That is a joke. You know, we need to look to Jesus Christ as the author and finisher of our race. We need to be faithful in season, out of season. So I want to preach this message so you can say with um, the Apostle Paul, I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. And folks, we ought to keep the faith. But we ought to finish the course. I want you to see three things real quick. Number one, number one, consider the saints. Consider the saints. Look at verse one. It says, wherefore, seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, I've been guilty of preaching this wrong, and I know a lot of preachers still preaching it wrong. That doesn't mean that the Christians, they don't have anything else to do but get in some stands and look at your life while you're living down here. That's not, ex that's not what that means. I mean, that's really motivating. If I knew my daddy and mama's up there cheering me on and looking every day at what I'm doing, but I want to tell you something, friend. Heaven's so sweet, they ain't got time to look down here, amen? They're looking to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that God maybe not give, opens up the windows once in a while and, you know, daddy and mama can see you once in a while, but that's not what this verse means. This verse means this, wherefore seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, that refers back to the wherefore before. It refers back to chapter 11. All these heroes and, and these uh, dear uh, uh, ladies that were heroes of faith, that's the cloud of witnesses. And folks, they're witnessing something more important than what you're doing on this earth. They're witnessing on the faithfulness and power and reliability and grace of God. It's a witness. Hebrews 11 and the whole chapter of Hebrews is talking about the greater than shadows, greater than form, greater than religion. There's a substance to our religion. It's called a relationship with a living God. So number one, I want you to notice they have the, run their race. They have run their race. They did not run perfectly. Nobody's perfect. Amen? But they ran. And you know, I respect people a whole lot, and most of you, you fit this case. I respect people that fall down, but they have enough sense to get right with God and come back to church. Say amen. God, help us not to be judgmental because somebody in your family's failed and we didn't kick them out of the church. God, help us not to be judgmental. And God, help us not to uh, say, well, you know, they failed, and I believe you ought to prove yourself. And I believe you ought to repent. And we're high on leadership as examples here. And we believe you ought to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. But I want to tell you something. These people got back up. And these people repented. And these people got right with God. And folks, they went on to have a great testimony. Amen. Aren't you glad God gave you a second chance? Say amen. I mean, I fell out of the will of God when I was a teenager. And I did some terrible things uh, that I could, uh, when I could get away with it. Because my mother was like the Holy Spirit. She was always on me. Amen. And uh, I mean, till the day I moved out of, out, of, out of my home, my mother knew everything about me. And she followed me, and she checked on me. And she was a private investigator, praise God. She was the FBI. Uh, she was the police force, and she was a great mama. I'm glad I had a mama like that. She stayed on me. She said, you ain't going to turn out like your sorry father. One time she said that. And then he got saved. He, didn't, he wasn't sorry anymore, praise God. But I want to say this, friend. You need to run the race 
And you need to realize they endured the unspeakable, but they endured their own stinking flesh. And when they fell, they got back up. Now, they're, they're seated in the grandstands, yes. But I believe their focus is on Jesus, and I believe their worship's towards the Lord, and I don't believe they're you know, look, checking every day on what you're doing. Amen, I don't really believe that. I believe that uh, none of these were extraordinary people. Elijah, uh, Gideon, uh, just common people. Rahab, the harlots mentioned in the last chapter. Then number two, they, uh, they will receive their rewards. Now, they're resting in the Father's presence, but folks, the Bible says we'll all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And everybody in chapter 11 is gonna face the judgment seat of Christ same time you face the judgment seat of Christ. That's why we don't have... Uh, uh, time to gossip and look at others and get distracted by what other per people are doing or what they're not doing. Just get in the race yourself and be faithful. Say amen. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's dangerous to look to the side. I'll never forget one time we were having a cross-country meet and I was in the bus and, and we had this real doofus guy in our, and, you know, anybody run cross-country, you, you know, it's just, it's tough. You know, and I was on the team. So I, I'm part of the, I was part of the geeks of that day. And I remember we hollered at old, uh, I think his name was Wilbur. I don't know what his name was. Probably, it was probably James or something, you know. And, I, and we hollered at him. And I'll never forget this childhood memory. I don't remember much because I blanked it all out. But he was, he was warming up at our own track, and we had to get over to Towers High School, which is about five or six miles away. And we hollered his name all at once. And he got so startled that he tripped and he fell. There was a pile of sand here between us and there. And all of a sudden, old Willie just vanished. And he just went down. Why? He looked off. He got distracted. He got tripped up in his own cliques. We ain't got time to look off. We ain't got time to look around. We need to look to Jesus, the author and finish for our faith. And then they have, they have revealed that God is reliable. First of all, they have run their race. Second of all, they're going to receive their reward. But third of all, they revealed that God is reliable. I'm going to tell you what their witness is. Their witness means testimony. I mean, we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses that have said something very wonderful in our lives, that God's able, that God will come through, that if you will let him, you will finish the race with honors and you will, he will keep you, he will sustain you, he will use you, he will bless you, and praise God, he'll get glory through your little life and get glory through my little life. I was thinking about this morning, getting up again to go preach. And I said, man, this is 43 years I've been preaching the same place. What a privilege. What an honor. And then I thought, how can I be this old? And I looked in the mirror. I said, yep, you were that old. Amen. How, how did, where did the years go, my friend? You know, I mean, 43 years pastoring in this place. And I love it and thank God for it and look forward to every time I preach. But I want to say this, friend. The reward in heaven is going to be wonderful. And the reward is going to be if you were faithful. It wasn't that you were fantastic or that you were fabulous or that you were written up in the who's who or Dalton Citizen paper. No, were you faithful? And folks, there will be a crown laid up for you that love God. 2, Corinthians, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. And so they revealed to God his reliability. He's reliable. Can somebody say amen? The witness is saying this. Hey, I'm not much, but he's everything. They're witnessing of the faithfulness of God in verse chapter 11. What a wonderful study. I appreciate Brother Lamar 
come up to me in tears Wednesday night and said, I appreciated the study of Hebrews chapter 11. I've got more out of it than I've ever done. I thought, praise God, somebody got something out of it. And here's a man that probably could teach it. But thank the Lord, friend, listen. What it means is they ran the race and so can you. They finished and so can you. Some of them had to be picked up out of adultery, David. Some had to be converted out of being a harlot, Rahab. Some had to, uh, to uh, 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 be forgiven, Samson. Come on, say amen. I mean, these people blew it, but God picked them up. It wasn't their faithfulness, it's God's faithfulness. So give God a break. Realize that he is able. And this is the witness. And friend, when, you, when you're running, when you're on the track of life and you're on the course of his will, there's going to be some things going to knock the breath out of you. There's going to be other people that's going to just disappoint you. You ought to try pastoring for about a week and you'll have your heart broken. I, some of my friends are out of the ministry today because they can't take it. And I can't take it. I can't take it when people fall into sin. I can't take it when people start talking about each other and gossiping. God, help us. What to throw Facebook out the door if that's the only thing you use it for. Let's track somebody's filth. Now, let's, let's encourage somebody. Say amen. Let's, let's look for the good. Let's praise God. Let's get, a little, let's get a little faith in God changing their life and pray for them. I think one good thing about Facebook is there ought to be a good prayer list on that. And there is one, isn't it, brother? Amen. It's posted right now. I got some urgent prayer requests, exciting prayer requests on there. As soon as I get home, I'll put them on there. But I want you to see this, friend. We need to realize this is the witness of God's faithfulness. Now, I want you to see, second of all, real quick, uh, Brother Blaine took too long, so I'm short of time. No, not really. I'm only kidding. <laughs> second of all, Oh, well, that was good. I appreciate it, brother. You keep up your heart for the word. Number two, I want you to consider yourself. In verse one and two, it says, seeing, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so does easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I want you to see you need to make proper preparation. You know, one thing I hated about track I don't know why I ran it. I just want to stay in shape, Brother Salvador, for soccer. That's the only reason I ran cross country and ran the two-mile and track. I want to stay in shape for the sport I love so much, soccer. But I'll tell you what, I remember I went out for basketball. I was five foot two, five foot two. And I thought I could dunk the ball if I wore these things called ankle braces or ankle weights. And you put these big old sandbags on your ankle and so I was just crazy. I just practiced for two or three weeks. And I said, now I can, I know I, I can get up now. It didn't help me but about three inches. Amen. I did, I, hey, I'll tell you what, I congratulated myself when I touched the bottom of the net. I said, praise God, you know. Well, I got cut from that team. They just totally said, you ain't good enough. But I want to tell you something, friend. There's a lot of people who's got some ankle weights on. And that's what this, lay aside all weights. That is not sin. That is anything that hinders you from your walk with God. It can be innocent in itself, but if it does come before God, as Brother Jason taught this morning in Sunday school about idols and Brother Jack the week before, folks, anything that comes before God will become an idol. Yourself, amen? 
You know, a lot of people didn't get anything out of that message of song because they were trying to evaluate how they sang. That's not the purpose. They sing beautifully, by the way. But you don't sit here and evaluate how somebody sings. You get the message. Say amen. And I'll tell you this, friend. Seeking entertainment all the time, um, if it hinders communion with God, it's wrong. There's some people going to give account to God that they stayed home and watched a football game on Sunday night. I'd hate to have that on my record. Well, I, you know, I would come to church, but I'll have to wait till after the NFL season. They want to salute the flag and you're staying home to watch them. I don't think that makes much sense. You know, we need to give our attention to things that count. And that's weights. It weights you down. It's not necessarily sin, but it's things that come in the way. Me, myself, and I. And then second of all, we need to lay, lay aside all sins. This refers uh, to things that cling to you and weight you down and and disgrace you and distracts you. And that's why, leaders, you ought to be faithful. Amen. You're going to get up here and sing a song, you ought to live it. You're going to get up here and preach a sermon, you ought to live it. You're going to be a deacon, you ought to live it. Say amen. You're going to teach, you ought to live it. You drive a bus, you ought to live it. Folks, why? Because to someone, you're the best Christian they know. We don't want to be a stumbling block, we want to be a stepping stone. So be faithful, not only for you, for God's glory, but for other people's path that they have to run. I'm glad we got Hebrews chapter 11 to encourage us to run and be faithful and not quit. And folks, the Bible says in Romans 6, 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it in the lust thereof. See, folks, he's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And if you have other lords in your life, you can't run the race. If you're, if you're, more, if you're more consumed about making money than you are uh, uh, missionary endeavors and, and the church going on, then something's wrong. And so we need to realize they received their reward, uh, they, but for ourselves, we must have proper preparation. And I want to tell you something. If you run track or you play football or whatever, they own your life. You can't eat, a bunch of fat and stuff. you got to go to practice every day. And then in summer, you got to go to camps. You can't even go to Bible camp because you're going to football camp. That ain't right. That ain't right. Praise God, that's just not right. And uh, we've lost more people in the youth department because of, of people saying, hey, listen, the coach says I've got to take two weeks of the summer because I'm the quarterback. I'm the halfback. I'm the defensive end now. And they lost it. It's like a teenager is getting a job when they're 16 years old on Sunday. That ain't advisable. Amen, because I'm going to tell you something. They need to have a habit of being faithful in church. And they need to put God first and let God meet their needs. They're going to work the rest of their life, praise God. But if you want to take a job during the week, I think everybody ought to work some, sometime. Amen. You ought, to, you ought to try to work anyway. Have a little activity in your life. But we must run uh, with proper preparation. And then we need to run with patience. Patience, the long haul. Each one of us has our own race. You don't run my race, I don't run your race. And we're not in competition with each other. Amen? Come on. So much competition in the church. You know, well, I think I can sing better than that. You probably can't because your heart's not right. Say amen. Well, I think I could do that. I think I could preach better than that. You probably could. God didn't call you, call you to, uh, to, to pastor this church. But I want to say this, friend, 
we all have our slot. We all have our lane. And of course, we've, it's individually designed. It's blessed by God. And we need to stay in our lane and not worry about the other people's lane. Amen? We need to be faithful to what God's called us to be. You ought to be the best husband, best wife, best daughter, best son. You ought to be faithful where God's called you and run the race. Run the race. So we must run with patience. And then we must guard our priorities. Look at verse 2. It says, look into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, looking unto Jesus. Jesus should be our priority of life. He will be, I guarantee he will be when your life falls apart. There's more praying in the emergency room than there is in the prayer room. There's more praying in the doctor's office than there is in the pastor's office. Because, folks, we sometimes use God as emergency rations instead of daily bread. When life falls apart, we call on God. But I want to tell you something. When life's going good, he ought to be our champion. Hey, folks, I want to tell you something. We don't need to look at other runners and compare ourselves to how they're running. We don't need to look at circumstances. We don't look, need to look at the storm. We just need to see God is using the storm to make us a better runner. And our eyes are to be on the one who started us in this race, who's called us to this race, and one day he's going to greet us at the end of the race. Amen? Folks, when we cross the finish line, and it won't be long for some of us because we're getting on up there, but when I cross that finish line, I sure want the Lord to say, well done. I want to be faithful. I don't want to end uh, on a sour note. I don't want to fall to sin. I don't want to become unfaithful. I don't want to get discouraged. I don't want to get depressed. And I sure don't want to get distracted by the things of this world. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus. Wherefore, seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. That's preparation. And the sin that so does easily beset us. Can I say a word about that? I believe that's the sin of unbelief. Everybody says, oh, y'all, everybody's got one sin. No, you got more than one sin. You got a bunch of sin. Say amen. All of us have weaknesses, and it's not just one weakness. It's called flesh. But I'll tell you one thing that'll get you out of the race quicker than anything, unbelief. And that refers back to chapter 11. And then it says, so easily beset us and let us run with patience the races that is for us looking unto Jesus. That's our, that's our priority that we ought to guard. And then last but not least, we need to consider the Savior. Look at verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Think about it. Endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. Now listen to this. For consider him, consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. Folks, when you faint in your mind, you just think thinking right. And you're just, you ever, you ever had so much pressure on your life, you didn't, even, you didn't think right? You ever had so much stress in your life that you couldn't even uh, almost voice a sentence? <laughs> it's, it's amazing what stress will do to you. Amen? It's, it's terrible. And folks, listen, we need to consider the race. Uh, we need to consider his race, the Lord's race. It was a hard race. It ended in the pain of Calvary for your sins and my sins. 
It was a race which he never faltered. He was perfect. He was the Lamb of God. He never got sidetracked. He never lost sight of the goal, and that's to glorify God and to die for your sins and mine. Can somebody say amen? He set his face like a flint towards Calvary, the Bible says in Isaiah. That means he didn't look to the right, he didn't look to the left, and buddy, I'm gonna tell you something, every devil in hell tried to get him from the path to Calvary. When you feel like quitting, just look to Jesus. When you consider the race he won for you and me, then run, Christian, run. And then I want you to see to consider his reasons. The Bible says, look in verse two, it says, looking at Jesus, um, the author and finisher of our faith. I mean, consider his race. It says, who, that, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. The joy that was set before him. Consider his reason for going to Calvary. Where's the joy of going to a cross, being stripped naked, beat beyond recognition, Isaiah 52? I mean, spit upon. That would really test my Christianity if somebody come up here and spit on me. I might turn the cheek one time, but you better not spit on me again because I might not turn the, I might try to turn your cheek. Say amen right there. Come on now, don't spit on me. And don't do like they did Stephen, gnaw on my, uh, on my arm when, and throw stones at me. But folks, they endured that for Jesus. But for the joy that was set before him, what was that joy of the finished race? It was the joy that one day you would be saved. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. And folks, listen, it was the joy of salvation for all believers. It was the joy of heaven for the redeemed. He saw it all. He saw the other side of the storm. He saw the end of the track. He saw the end of Calvary. He saw the resurrection and the ascension after the, after the cross. He saw the day he had reclaimed the glory that he missed so much. John 17, one through five. He says, I, I, I can't wait to be in your glory again. Pray unto the Father. He saw the day of salvation. He saw sin forever destroyed and Satan banished. He saw perfect righteousness that would rule every heart. He saw heaven. That's why Jesus ran. He was able to run past the cross for the joy that was set before you. And he was able to see you and to see me and see this little church. And see, every one of you has been saved through this ministry. Everyone has been saved by the blood of Jesus. That's why Jesus ran. And folks, he looked beyond Calvary and saw the empty tomb. Amen, choir? Can't wait for y'all to sing that again. We're gonna have to have some Easter specials around here one day. We need to come to a place where we're able to look beyond the situations. We need to come to the place, that's why I'm so excited about this song. We need to, look, we need to come to a place where we are... Uh, look beyond circumstances. We need to come to a place where we can look beyond this pandemic. And, and we need to look beyond this election. And we need to look beyond our failures and other people's failures and get back in the race and go on for God's glory. Aren't you glad that this is not baseball because all of you have struck out three or four times? Come on. 
But God says, get back up. You're not out of the race. Then Charles, I want you to see, last but not least, um, that, we, that the, when we consider the Savior, we consider his race, we consider the reasons, but we consider his reward. Look at chapter 2, or chapter 12, verse 2. It says, and it's at the right hand of the throne of God, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want you to consider his reward. Folks, Jesus ran well because when he finished, he sat down with the Father in the throne, and it was by his throne, and Jesus knew where he was headed. He was headed to be with the Father. Consider his resolve. Consider his resolve, last but not least. Look at verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. What an encouraging verses. That the Lord didn't quit, why should you? The Lord didn't panic or pitiful, why should you? The Lord didn't uh, look to the left or look to the right or look at his circumstances or look at this, this earth. This was not his home. He was going to heaven. He was going back to heaven with the blood. Jesus endured much to finish his race. He suffered more than any man. Folks, he suffered 20,000 times more than these people in Hebrews 11. So if there was no cloud of witnesses saying, God help me and God was reliable. I want to say Jesus will say it. He was born to an unwed mother, Matthew 1, 18, 19. He was born in a stable, Luke chapter 2, verse 7. He, was, uh, he, was, he had poor parents, Luke chapter 2, 24. Only a turtle dove could they offer. They didn't even have enough money to get a, a lamb. His life was threatened as a baby, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. His birth was called, caused terrible suffering for all the other little boys. He was moved as a baby, Matthew chapter 2. He was raised in a despicable town called Nazarene, Luke chapter 2. His father died when he was young, Matthew 13, 53 through 58. He had to support his family, Matthew 13. He had, to, he had no home and no place to lay his head, Matthew 8, verse 20. He was hated and opposed by others, Mark chapter 14. He was charged with insanity, Mark chapter 3, verse 21. He was charged with being demon-possessed, Mark chapter 3, verse 22. He was opposed by his own family and misunderstood, Mark chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. He was rejected, hated, opposed by the, by, by the audience who he came to hear him speak, Matthew 13. He's betrayed by his own close friend. He was left alone, rejected, and forsaken by all his friends. Mark chapter 14, verse 50. He was tried before the high court of the land and tried for treason. John chapter 18. And he was executed as a common criminal by the means of crucifixion. John 19, verse 16. Now, have you ever suffered that much? Or have I? No. But folks, we have an author and finish of our faith. We have somebody that's run the race. And he was, a, a, he, was, he was the Lord Jesus Christ that ran that race, not for himself, but for you. 
And here's the encouragement of all. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. So we need to look to Jesus. And we need to endure. But we need to also enjoy the Christian life. I think you ought to enjoy being in the race. I believe you ought to enjoy doing something for God. I know all of you was weary. We're trying to work on it where we'll get, get these kids home early, but some of y'all probably didn't get home at 10, 30, or 11 o'clock Wednesday night. And I guarantee the next morning, your employer says, what's wrong with you? And says, I went to church last night. No, and, you know, but I, it's a joy to see these little kids line up with these little masks on. And friend, we had to shoot them with a little thermometer gun. I, I, I thought, man, this is terrible. I, and, and I thought to myself, I don't even want to have it if we're going to have to go through all this junk. But, you know, it's worth it. It's worth it because those kids need Jesus. And those kids need to see that it's tough times, but we're not quitting. And we still love them, and we're still ministering to them, and we're still teaching the Bible, and we're still going to be faithful. We're going to run the race. And we're going to see God come through. And one day, one day, we can say like the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is a, laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to, and to all them that love his appearing. I'll tell you what to keep you going in the race. I believe we're on the last lap. I believe we're on the last lap. I believe the Lord's coming soon. I believe the rapture could take place, as I preached on last Wednesday, any second. The trump of God will sound. The dead in Christ will rise first. And we which are alive remain shall be caught up. And then right after that rapture, we're going to face the judgment seat of Christ and give account of our faithfulness and how we made ourselves available and how we walked through the opportunities that God gave us in America, even during a storm, even during a pandemic, and that we were faithful. That we're faithful. And I believe with all my heart, it'll be worth every trial. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Father, thank you for these three verses. I could preach on them a month. God, help us to stay in our lane. God, help us to stay focused on the finish line. God, help us not to look back and look around and look down, but God, help us to look up and see the cloud of witnesses that's already testified that you're reliable, that you're able, and that your grace is sufficient, and that you'll give us grace to be faithful. God, help us stay in the race. God, give us endurance. God, help us not to faint in our minds during this time. So many are. So many are being despondent and depressed and discouraged. Lord, please help us to stay faithful in the race of the ministry unto thee. And Lord, I praise you and thank you that you put us in this race by your grace. And God, you'll give us sufficient grace to finish it. God, what you've started, you will finish.
And I thank you, dear God, for that prospect. Help us, dear Lord, to see through the clouds of this pandemic. Help us, God, to see through this time that we don't understand and none of us like. God, help us to stay in the race and stay faithful. With every head bowed, every eye closed, trying to let you out a little earlier. It's not working, but I'm trying. But I want to ask you a question. Do you want to stay in the race? Do you want to stay in your lane? Don't look back. Don't look around. Don't compare your ministry to somebody else's ministry. You just want to be faithful. You want to be a faithful daddy, a faithful mama, even when sometimes your kids break your heart and your kids mess up. There's no place to quit on them. Just keep on loving them. Thank God for the testimony you parents that are still in the race because your kids could have knocked you out knocked you out knocked the wind out of you by the grace of God you come on back to church ask prayer God's given you grace to go on let me say preacher by the grace of God I want to finish the race the, the will of God in my life I want you to pray for me that I have grace to finish right would you lift your hand high for prayer God bless you all over this place. I got to lift mine. Oh, there's so many times I need special prayer because the devil wants to knock me out of my lane. He wants to knock me off the track. He wants to get me so discouraged I can't even show up and preach. I just got to keep going. So do you. And thank God for you. You're an encouragement to my soul. You're a great encouragement. So I try to look to the faithful and say, well, they're still here. They're still in their place. They're still teaching and they're still running that bus. They're still trying to do what they can do. That encourages me. We're in this race together. We're in this battle together. We're on the same team. We're family. We're, 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 we should be closer than our family. We're a spiritual family. Is there anyone here say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I'm not even in the race. Matter of fact, I'm on the road to hell. And I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want you to pray for me. You're not saved, but you'd like to be. I want to pray for you before, you before we go. Anyone, just slip your hand up, then back down. I'll pray for you if you're not saved. All right, all hearts clear. Father, thank you for the message. Use your word. Thank you for Hebrews 11 that we took months on. God, thank you for this brief message, these three verses that sum up Hebrews 11. We too should be faithful. And we too have a God that's able to help us to be faithful. So Lord, I pray for every uplifted hand and every heart that it represents. That you'd help these folks keep their eyes on Jesus. Look full in your wonderful face and then look back to Calvary and see what you did for them and to remain faithful until you call them home or to the rapture calls us all up together. In Jesus' name.